0: Hello, Josebo. Nihao. Welcome to Planet of the Climates. P.O.T.K. is a climate podcast, bringing you the latest information and insight into the world of climate action. Clima is a blockchain protocol backed by carbon credits that gives people a chance to fight climate change as a collective. My name is Phaedrus, and I'll be your host on this adventure. I'm joined by my good friend and co-host Rekuman. Today, we're chatting with Mitchell from Carbon Link. Let's jump right in. All right, so today we are excited to introduce you to Mitchell, founder of CarbonLink. They're an on-chain offset platform leveraging some of Klima's foundational tooling to drive climate action and expand user access to diversified carbon offsets. But maybe just to get us started, Mitchell, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your journey, perhaps?
1: It's a pleasure, and thank you guys both so much for having me on. My name is Mitchell. I'm a junior at USC studying business and mining in blockchain, and I'm also the founder and CEO of CarbonLink. My journey with that got started about a little over a year and a half ago. When I originally went to USC, I was planning on doing something in finance or consulting and pretty quickly realized that was not whatsoever what I wanted to be able to do. I wanted to be in startups and specifically environmental tech. And so fortunately, a friend connected me with a really unique startup. They were bioenergy and really cool piece, but essentially they just take anything bio-waste remove the carbon from it and then burn off the rest, creating on-site energy. And this was one of the first times I'd really heard too much about carbon market. I was sort of familiar with it, but never had actually gotten to sit down with someone that was, you know, a participant in it and hear about the pain points from their side. And, you know, I'm sure we've all heard it a thousand times. I'm sure you probably covered it a thousand times in this podcast. So I won't go into too much detail about their pain points, but they were frustrated that they were losing about 15 to 20% of, you know, majority of their revenue. They'd kind of already gotten my brain spinning when they sort of talked about the inefficiencies of the market and so at that same time i was really interested in blockchain all that there was really great similarities between the two right every bad buzzword for carbon offsets is uh all the best buzzwords that we have going for blockchain and so we actually started trying to build a carbon bridge so this was before actually clima launched and we were trying to work and see how we could bring carbon offsets chain as erc 1155s our main goal was to see how we could keep it in their active state. And basically take it all the way from pre-issuance so that you could sell forward to its active state and then to its retired state, and you know keeping the ERC 1135 the whole way. And obviously that one didn't work out. And so ever since then it's kind of been a, a, I think a year of building in the space and hopefully soon shipping something. But
0: yeah, that's awesome. So you've kind of been around from the the early days, or you've kind of seen the pain points that uh, on chain carbon is solving there too. It's very unique for you to see someone
2: at your age that was focusing on carbon itself. My question would be like, what really inspired you to, you know, just push yourself to that level?
1: You know, I think the short answer for that is, you know, I I do think it's the best possible use case for blockchain. This piece of technology was seemingly built to solve this one unique problem. And, you know, from a personal perspective, I hadn't seen something I thought that, you know, maybe outside of payments was that perfect of a relationship that those two could go together. I would say personally, I think I was always, definitely always environment inclined. I think it was around junior year when I kind of got bit with the bug. I did a summer program, and every week we were getting exposed to new, different, unsustainable issues. And you know, after that, I was like, okay, I'm not going to be the person that's going to build the technology. But my goal was, you know, how can I make it easy for those people to build that technology? Right? How can we direct funding to them? How can we make operations as easy as possible? I was like, I, I can just be a cog in their machine, and that's perfect. And when I saw carbon offsets, I was like, oh wow, someone was already doing this. I don't need to go do you know venture capital specifically for this or private equity. If we can just make this tool the best possible tool, have the most possible option i thought that was the most impactful thing i could have done
2: definitely i feel there's a lot of bureaucracy has been removed through the power blockchain whereby we are able to move the needle much much faster than the usual way of doing business
1: i completely agree with that you know the on-chain liquidity i think is itself gonna be impactful right like eventually i hope that we're able to build up more infrastructure for suppliers right so they can get instant liquidity and maybe not have to go through as much of the hassle of web3 and you know we've already seen on the buyer side or I can help you source something around like forty to fifty million carbon offsets. We removed blockchain from that equation. For me to be able to, you know, say that I probably have to spend at least three to five years running around <laughs> and trying to find enough brokers that are actually going to say, yes, okay, yeah, we'll give you some carbon offsets.
0: Yeah, that's great, Mitchell. Great to hear kind of your your journey in that story and understanding those pain points from the from the other side as well too. I think you did allude there that, you know, when you're finding your your role or the niche, what you can play in the market there, you're initially kind of imagining developing a bridge. Would you care to dive a little bit more into how that evolved, into you know where Carbon Link is at now, and maybe illustrate what that is for folks?
1: Yeah, completely. So the bioenergy company didn't hire me. I went back and you know I was like, hey, I know you guys are about to sell a lot of carbon offsets, so you should definitely do it through us. So we kind of worked co-developing it with them, and this was you know right at the time that yeah, like I said, Clean Two can had just launched, and you know we kind of had two different snafus that ultimately made us put aside the bridge. One was first and foremost, the ERC-LM55s. That didn't win the battle at the time. There wasn't enough infrastructure necessary for it. Like I think Uniswap just released an ERC-LM55 AMM. We wanted trading and liquidity, and we we're not going to be able to get that with that token standard. And then, you know, we also started actually, you know, connecting with yourselves and Toucan, and I think, you know, ultimately finally realized, hey, this is not what we're supposed to be doing in this space. You know, there's multiple other parties that are doing it that are much better at it, right? They have the relationships to do it. They, you know, already did it first. They were smart enough to do it with the years and 20s. And so, you know, I think what we kind of decided was, hey, there's something here still, but it is worthwhile pivoting and looking. And, you know, really ultimately what we found was trying to remove that Web3 barrier. And that's really our main focus at the moment is how can we build as many use cases for on-chain carbon offsets without you knowing that it was ever on-chain?
0: You know, that has been this, uh, you know, this barrier and this big, big challenge, a big roadblock and a hurdle to find that mainstream adoption. Or it just shouldn't matter that it's on chain. It's providing all these benefits, but, you know, traversing and meeting people where they're at, whether it's that Web2 mindset or just not thinking about the blockchain at all. But yeah, so what, what is CarbonLink right now? And what what people are visiting your site, uh, carbonlink.io? What, uh, what can they find and what can they explore about what you're offering there?
1: yeah so we'd actually finished our platform back in january and really the main functionalities that you had is you were able to trade any of the current erc20 on-chain carbon offsets so that'd be yourselves c3s toucans and moss you were able to retire through our platform it would still be done on chain but you of course would never have to pay gas fee we attracted all of that away but still gave you a unique wallet address right so this is still phages retirement you know activity it's auditable it's you know, recorded and then there is liquidity to be able to trade but We actually had to shelve that project. One of the kind of unfortunate things is because we are centralized and we do have to work with different providers to really remove that Web3 barrier. We're also sort of at their mercy and at the mercy of some regulation, which, you know, we had one bad service provider that I think they were concerned that we were uh, dealing with securities or commodities and, you know, that we wouldn't be licensed for that. And so fortunately we were able to navigate that and, you know, we are legal and compliant now, but that of course was a big step back. So. We had to pivot and we have two different platforms now so essentially what had happened was we still knew that we had our main b2b platform we're able to buy manage and retire but that was the one that honestly we had to do some legal architecting for that was going to take about eight weeks and one thing about us is we have a really big team and our team really really wants to build we're 13 different students graduate and undergraduate five being developers three designers and so we're able to build pretty quickly and we'd always wanted to build something in b2c I think we had probably gotten too tired of a lot of our friends always wondering what it was we were doing and not understanding, of course, the impact of their own carbon emissions. And so we, you know, we're like, we already have most of the back and done for this. Like, why not just build a carbon emissions calculator? And so that definitely spiraled into, let's, you know, make it interactive, scrolling with you know, an entire narrative, and it should be really educational and it should help people understand also just the ethos. I think of like of carbon offsets. Like it's not just a tool to greenwash but it isn't the best thing you can possibly do. And it's one of those really weird, awkward in-betweens where it's like, hey, this is a really great tool, still please reduce your emissions, right? Like, you know, Hinge has the, we want to be the dating app that's meant to be deleted. You know, we're like, we want to be the calculator that like you don't pay us anymore because you went down to zero. I'm so incredibly excited about that. And then our main platform, which has some of the functionality I just mentioned along with an API, I think we should be putting it back in private beta late February. It took us a lot longer than we expected to get the legal issues resolved, unfortunately.
0: Oh, awesome. But it looks like people can kick the tires on carbonisbad.com there too, the little bit of a calculator for people to walk through and...
1: Yeah, to be able to subscribe, offset, and we support all the previous mentioned tokens and go with your lovely retirement aggregator.
0: So Mitchell, while you've been doing this deep dive and kind of learning over the last, you know, relatively short period of time there too, but I'm curious what you've seen that's uh, changed from the landscape perhaps when you were first trying to solve that problem for your bioenergy, biowaste startup to, you know, where the market sits right now. And it certainly has been a tumultuous last 12 months, let's say, but uh what have you learned about the market, or what have been some of the bigger takeaways for you?
1: I feel like the the feel of the space is different, and that could be because you know the market changed itself as a whole. But you know, when we first got into it, I think there was a lot of focus on the financial opportunity with carbon offsets on chain. I think there was a lot of focus on trading, or at least that's what the narrative I felt like revolved around. Right? How can we get capital markets here? If We're able to get into DeFi, right? There's going to be a lot more liquidity, and I think that is a really important part of the puzzle. But I feel like it has shifted now and everyone's developing more towards just to focus on how are we going to be able to build the tools so that people will use these offsets, right? So that at the end of the day, we have more demand for on-chain carbon and eventually then suppliers can come through as well. And I think also just getting to watch kind of the explosion of the rest of the space. You know, I've gotten to participate in a few of the founder circles with Daryl at ReFiDAO. And, you know, it, it really does seem like ReFi has done an amazing job at recruiting someone from every single possible regenerative niche and bring it kind of all in one. And you know, watching some of the other projects mature. I don't think everything's fundamentally shifted too much, but it, I think it's exciting kind of just to have watched it evolved and I think get a little more focused.
0: So would you care to tell us kind of about how this partnership evolved or how did you come to kind of use the claim as retirement aggregator to power your solution behind the scenes there?
1: Yeah. Back, you know, a year and a half ago when we first started this, like our dream was, you know, right when you guys had launched, we we're like, we're going to make it in the treasury, right? We want to be the ERC 1155s that get there. And I think it's funny as it sort of evolved because when we were kind of back at the drawing board, we're like, how are we going to fit in a space? And we'd added a new team member and someone on your team followed them or had known about them. And they just DM them on Twitter and said, Hey, we'd love to know what you're working on. Saw it's something, you know, involving our space and kind of adjacent. And so, you know, we got to connect pretty early and starting to meet with, you know, the rest of your team and sizing and learn a little bit more about your product. And I think that was at the same time that we were starting to connect with a lot more of just, you know, the other on-chain carbon offset projects and, and that was honestly kind of also what helped us find our niche, because we were able to, we'd kind of always known the Web3 barrier to entry was a problem, but it was always our second focus, right? When we were originally building it, we were like, if we're B2B, I can't, you know, try to convince some company to pay in Polygon or Matic token. As much as I would not want to, we need to kind of make this easier for them. And, you know, I think it was when we were in those early meetings, we sort of realized, right, this space is all about collaboration. That's one of the best things about being on chain. And then we realized, you know, there's already these great pieces everywhere, right? How can we build a platform that's, I think, really able to Leverage everyone else's tools, but then also bring everyone else up as well, and really try to find a way to coexist while somewhat doing the same thing, but I think going for at the end of the day, different target audiences. And so, you know, the retirement aggregator in and of itself is fantastic. We also were a big fan of love letters. We integrated that in our uh, carbon is bad. So when you offset, you're able to leave a love letter. Um, I, I think uh, I was kind of just a decent decent amount of respect for a lot of the work you guys have done. And so, you know, there, there's no point in trying to reinvent the wheel if it's already <laughs> if it's already done and you know works works what
2: works really well. Yeah, actually, I was the one who first came out with the idea of the love letter. It was just an idea that it was a random meeting that we were in. We just I just came up with this idea, and then to see that the team itself grew it and manifest to where it is today, oh, it's really amazing.
1: Yeah, no, of course, I love the ethos behind it, and your marketing team probably saw it and knew it too. And we we A B tested like four or five different. Endings and love letters consistently pull the best, right? People just have an amazing reaction to when they see it. If we're talking B to C, when we're trying to convince people to, you know, get into the space, right? Having that social proof, one of other people doing it, and then also I think just getting reminded why. Like that, my problem with carbon offsets is really often I think some people forget. I think sometimes yeah, it gets too far removed, or people design to where it even feels really far removed, and I'm like, oh, but at the end of the day, right, this is. You're supporting a project that is doing something for the planet and, you know, bring that focus. And so I loved how love letters do that right at the end of offsetting. You know, you get to write a letter like, oh, yeah, this is why I was
0: doing this. So Mitchell, not to uh, put you on the spot then too, but yeah, we definitely love you know leveraging that love letters idea there too, and you kind of teed it up that that's about the why and that's compelling and that helps solve that Web three hurdle. But what's your why then? Like you know, not just about the blockchain or the tech or the business side, but in terms of you know your love letter for the planet or what's what's driving you to take action on climate change?
1: Yeah, my grandparents they always had a place in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and so I spent every summer and every winter there. And, you know, a lot of time with my grandfather and I would probably have to say every formative memory I have had because I was having a conversation on a hike. And it's something that's one of those intangible, even now, right, if I have to take a call, if I'm having, you know, a rough day, right, I always try to find a really great hike. I like to walk outside. I think that just gets my brain going. It makes me ultimately happy. And I've learned that it is essential now that I've lived in LA for a few years that I really do need to be somewhere green. And so, you know, I think first of all, it's that intangible, Every fun pastime I have, everything I love to do, it involves the outdoors and involves nature and getting to see, I think, things change over time. I remember when I was, you know, a junior in high school, I was doing the Never Summer Wilderness Trail in Colorado. And, you know, it's like a four day loop. And I remember when we made it to the back half, you know, there was not a single tree. You know, it was so dry. Pine beetle, had, I mean, absolutely decimated the entire valley. You know, I think that's when I did start getting more aware and actually reading the, you know, seeing that the headlines were, you know, a little bit factual if you actually looked up and saw it and I realized, hey, I'm gonna be here for a really long time, hopefully. And I would rather not just watch I think all my favorite things slowly disappear in a road. If you ask any of my friends, they say I'm one of those annoying people who always wants to like, you know, help them solve one of their problems or something. And I really don't like inefficiencies. And I think, for instance, carbon offsets and the, the broker model, right? Hey, we could probably do that much more effectively and as i was in high school going through more rabbit holes and learning everything from water usage to sand dredging right biggest one was seeds me personally agrobiodiversity. i think i just found I was like you know we're incredibly unsustainable it makes me just frustrated i think we can do it better especially when it's about things that i do enjoy and care about
0: great answer and yeah that definitely you know resonates with us and i'm sure with a lot of our listeners do that appreciation for nature and our planet and uh Yeah, that feeling deep inside that there's something's not right here or something's not efficient about the way things are operating just uh, globally, and we can do better for sure. So, you know, going forward, what do you see in terms of
2: the future vision of carbon linked?
1: So we want to be able to knock out what we have on the agenda right now. So, you know, I think initially our
2: goal just be to get as many embeds as possible for the
1: API, get as many people on that platform as possible. But I think long run, I do want to kind of go back to the supplier side. You know, i do think helping suppliers get a, immediate liquidity is probably the most impactful thing that we could do you know when we originally thought we were some kind of two-sided marketplace right we were we were focused on the supply side and you know we ultimately said hey let's build for the demand side and then once we actually have demand let's go back to the supply side and my goal would eventually be to build out some more supplier management tools specifically right let's say we we're integrated with c3's bridge and toucan's bridge and to where if you're a supplier, you know, you're able to go through, you oversee see exactly what your carbon offsets, you know, qualify for. And then, you know, you're able to immediately deposit for instant liquidity, I think would be incredibly impactful. And then we've also, you know, discussed doing some kind of verification for more like tech based carbon offsets, but you know, I don't know if that's exactly where our expertise is. I think, you know, for the moment it would really just be build as many possible tools and then definitely excited to, I think, expand. Hopefully, be able to bring on someone like an open forest protocol or supporting someone like Region as well. And then, lastly, just because I'll, I'll name drop it, but we're also really hoping to add plastic waste soon because I think it's equally as important and a great fit for carbon as bad. So, you know, I think we're hopefully connecting with plastics.io soon. So, that's at least I think the immediate focus or kind of what's on the horizon.
2: Thank you so much, Mitchell, for sharing. So, for those who want to find out more about you and your project, where can it go?
1: Yeah, you're able to follow us on Twitter at carbonlink.io you are also able to join our newsletter if you go to greenwashed.earth. And then, of course, Instagram for Carbon is Bad, which should have a very exciting announcement soon.
0: Mitchell, just want to say thank you again, too. You know, you really kind of illustrated the nature of the collaboration, the nature of building these, you know, networks with your platform, too, that you're connecting so many of the players in the refi space. And definitely want to wish you luck with all your launches you've got coming up in early 2023 here.
1: No, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys for having on. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun.
0: Excellent. So that was awesome to connect and chat with Mitchell, learn about his background and the Carbon Link story there too. Reiku, what really stuck with you or uh, what was your big takeaway from that chat?
2: I think about, you know, what's the advantage of him being a student and, you know, undergrads. And I think that was something that resonated with me, like, you know, to have that drive, that motivation and that energy itself with the fresh set of eyes on what we are doing That really makes me feel that they are here to succeed because you know them looking at this space as a very collaborative space and here we are trying to work together you know this is the the hardest part for you know different companies to come together and say hey you're kind of my enemy my competitor so i'm not going to work with you but instead they took a different approach and let's work together and that's the beauty of like the blockchain itself and being collaborative
0: Yeah, exactly. I think yeah, he really illustrated a great story of that there too, where those competitors become collaborators. And I think like really, it's great that he's got this young team of people who are learning as they go and students that are able to pivot and adapt. And they're really helping to address some of the emerging challenges that we're facing in the market here. We might not be able to do that on our own. And other players in ReFi couldn't do that on their own. But, uh, you know, continuing to uh, add value and definitely looking forward to seeing that uh, that launch in the new year are from carbon link and uh, carbon is bad so yeah i think that's it leave a review add a like follow subscribe whatever the action is on your favorite podcast platform we would just love it if you could let them know that you're liking our podcast that you're following along and leave a comment as well too let us know how you're liking the show if you have any comments or feedback or we would love to get that and incorporate that into our future episodes too Otherwise, for everything Klima, make sure that you're hitting up klimadao.finance, where you can stake, bond, and I think most importantly, find our Klima Discord community. Because we're a DAO, we're very much community-driven, just like this podcast. If you join us, you're going to find a great group of climates and plenty of opportunities to contribute and be an active climate too. We hope you really enjoyed this conversation with Mitchell from CarbonLink. And thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch up with you again on the very next Planet of the Climates.